Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. everybody welcome back to turn the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at will pa 11 on twitter instagram and tiktok joined by my uh my future podcast and uh you know podcast co-host dj b anime we're going to be uh you know previewing a little bit of what this podcast we're going to be releasing uh here this summer is going to be about dj how we doing a little draft recap uh draft recap action and I'm chilling, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm kind of decompressing, to be honest, because it was a lot of uh, draft stuff, especially that first day. First day, we got three draft picks. You know what I'm saying? That was a lot of writing I had to do in a very short period of time. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it was a crazy weekend. Um, it was, a you know, one of those weekends, you know, between being down at Mobile with the Jets coaching and then being an Andy, all these different workouts, just like a pretty much felt like a year's worth of pre-draft process this year. Um, obviously, the Jets being at a competition pretty much in October, you know, kind of helped with that, with the draft being uh, being obviously important. We'll start with, you know, pick four, sauce at four. You've been, you were probably the most high, like the highest person on sauce and taking a corner four of any, you know, of anybody. Um, what was kind of your reaction when they actually did end up going corner and, um, how do you think Sauce kind of impacts this defense, uh, you know, going forward this year? Yeah, man, I was I was hoping I was the pick. You know, obviously I had reported there was a chance that uh, Kwanu might was going to be the pick. Um, I was glad that they went with Sauce because Sauce just feels a much bigger need. I can make a bigger impact. I, I just didn't see the point in drafting another offensive tackle, especially when you have fifty million dollars invested into the offensive line that's fourth highest in the nfl granted you can get out of fant and uh uh, connor mcgovern's deal after next year but again like you've already invested a bunch man the most premium most important positions in the nfl right now quarterback tackle dn cornerback receiver and you already have your stuff invested at o-line receiver you know what i'm saying dn at a certain point you need to really 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 invest at at corner um and i'm glad that they did and the impact that he can have is obviously this year i'm not expecting too much because again like he's a rookie hopefully this year you can have dj reed guard a lot of number ones and let sauce guard some of the number twos or like 
a scenario where you have Sauce on the number one, but safety help over the top, you know, just to give him that confidence, just just get that, you know, used to guard the NFL receivers, but having some help and then DJ Reed just completely remove number two cornerbacks, I mean, the number two receivers. So those, that, that's some of the, uh, the what I envision the Jets can do with, you know, a sauce. Because, again, like, in 2023, 2024, hopefully he could be that shutdown corner. But in 2022, that gives um, the Jets a legitimate, talented secondary that they just really, you know, last year they just didn't have with all the injuries that happened. Yeah, it'll be interesting with Sauce because it comes at it from a couple of different angles, right? Obviously, we talk about culture changer and locker room people, and there's always <laughs> there's all this different stuff. Um, you know, it's sometimes it kind of falls on deaf ears. A lot of people are all talk. You know, I know Jets fans. You know, Jamal Adams said he was going to be the difference and he's going to change things here. And we've had there's been people that have come through the Jets organization, like many organizations, right? You know, we talk about the Dolphins. It happens the same thing. Um, the Bills until recently, it's been the same, you know, mantra of, oh, we're going to change things. And then it, it never happens. But what I like about Sauce is it's it's his confidence. It's kind of the aura that surrounds him. Not so much, you know, he talks, but I don't know that he's this big talker of like, you know, he's, he said on around the NFL podcast, you know, we're, we're going to change things, but it wasn't like, oh, we're going to go win the Super Bowl. It was just like, you know, we're not talking about the past. We're going to just kind of move on. And I felt like the way he carries himself is this swagger in the locker room. I think DJ Reed's got a swagger to him at corner. Um, I think Eccles and Bryce Hall are both confident football players. Jordan Whitehead's an uber confident football player, as he should be. Um, LaMarcus Joyner, there's just a, there's something about that room that's changed so dramatically. And, um, you know, corner was probably – their cornerback room and tight end room going into camp last year is probably the worst group in the NFL, you know, kind of top to bottom on, on both sides. And between the two of them, especially a corner, like to think, you know – they added DJ Reed and and Sauce, and, and they still kept right. on to some of the guys that got pretty meaningful reps, right? You got Michael Carter, the second in the slot as well. He's a confident football player. So you need that Sauce's ability to kind of that press technique and kind of jam people at the line, especially in a division where you're going to need to get hands on Tyreek early. You need to get hands on Jalen Waddle early, uh, Gabe Davis, Diggs. Like it's important that you have pass rush, but also in which the Jets address and we'll get to eventually. But, you know, Having a having a guy that you feel really good about as that lockdown guy allows DJ Reed and everyone to be slotted in the right position. So I like the pick again. I thought they'd go tackle just because, um, you know, Joe Douglas has an affinity and uh, like a fetish for offensive linemen in, in the first round, yeah, as we've seen. Does. Right. But, you know, I, I'm actually happy. I, at the time, I was a little lukewarm on the sauce pick. I think once we got the entirety of the first round and the entirety of the draft, the pick looks better as it goes on, right? To still be able to go back and get Jermaine and Garrett Wilson. And I guess we'll go to Garrett Wilson next. You know, we've talked about it for a while. You know, you love, you know, Jamison Williams, Drake London, you know, on and on. Garrett Wilson was the guy that I felt like we talked about a lot in the beginning and it kind of tapered off a little bit. There was so much Drake London buzz and I still, you know, I'm still of the opinion if he's there at 10, I think it's a lot of smoke. I think he might have yeah, been a yeah, pick. I, that yeah, was, you know, and have, it's, yeah, no, it's of course you lie at the end, right? You, yeah, you know, we yeah, have three I, of our I top eight players. Said, when Salah said, um, you know, was, he said, I think on SNY that, oh no, Wilson was our top guy. I mean, it's easy to say that now because like Atlanta kind of forced Wilson become your top guy because they took Drake London. But yeah. yeah, no, and then look, they end up Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson's a consensus top one or two receiver on, on pretty much every you know every board, and the Jets get a playmaker who's dynamic. He's got good feet, really good feet. Um, he's a good route runner. He's got good hands. He plays bigger. He's kind of the ideal receiver size a little bit. Um, as somebody who played a receiver at six three, like sometimes 
you know, either it takes a little while for you to get going, you know, in terms of long-term speed or, um, you know, you can kind of get chopped down sometimes injuries, lower body injuries can kind of happen. Um, he's not the Elijah Moore five foot seven, five foot eight guy. He's, he's at six foot one ninety. Um, you know, he'll get an NFL conditioning program. And I was some concern about weight. I'm not sure in today's NFL, if that really matters quite as much as it did 20 years ago, were you surprised? Um, they actually did go receiver at 10. It felt like almost too obvious that they might pass it up and, uh, and go edge rusher there. Yeah, no, I, th- I thought, um, yeah, I thought there was a chance that they could have gone, uh, you know, I thought Jermaine was going to be picked, but I understood the process. And a lot of this comes back down to process, not um, just the pictures. You want to see the vision. You want to see the objective. And the objective was to get Zach Wilson another weapon. Because um, I knew that, you know, Drake had a shot if he was going to be there. I knew that was one of the, the most buzz. And obviously, Wilson was also in that mix. Jamal was in that mix. But, you know, Jamal was just with the injury. The Jets kind of need, they don't have as much uh, runaway room on their rebuild. Like I mentioned, they got to start turning this thing around. But again, um, once they went on Wilson, I, I saw the vision. Wilson is going to be another weapon for Zach. He can obviously take the top off the defense. He obviously has a, excellent routes. Um, he's dynamic, man. At the end of the day, it was about getting Zach as many playmakers as possible to ensure he has a very healthy development. So uh, I thought Jermaine was going to be the pick. But again, like them going on Wilson, there's, there's no shame in that. Now, if they went something like, I don't know, like a D tackle or something, or or remember Trevor Penny, <laughs> you know, remember the buzz about that. But again, like, um, you know, that was that was still a good move at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of Wilson's game. I think he's just you know something that um, I know was talked about throughout the draft process was just how smart Garrett Wilson is um, from a football you know football sense and picking up the playbook and things like that. And um, obviously, the Jets had some issues with that with some of the younger receivers in the roster last year. Um, and, and, you know, and learning different spots and being able to kind of be interchangeable and be confident they know what they're doing. It's a complex scheme and getting a rookie that can hit the ground running that's been productive. Obviously, it'll have to stay incredibly productive, but also something that can come on the field and contribute from day one is, is important as X development. You know, as you mentioned, the guy that I thought, you know, I thought they would, Jermaine Johnson was like almost too much. It was a season be a Seahawk, a Giant or a Jet. It felt like, you know, yeah, all pre-draft yeah. process and I remember after, you know, I guess obviously as it's been reported, you know, the Jets were doing the same after pick 15. I'm like, 16's going. You didn't go. You didn't go to the Chargers. Seven. Like it's starting to, you know, each pick's coming down. I'm like, are they going to move up for this guy or what? Like, they're not really going to sit at 35, are they? And they obviously didn't. Um, they trade up, you know, pick, you know, pick 26 to get Jermaine. Mm-hmm. You were very high in Jermaine. Um, I know we speak to some people that were, you know, former pros, former defensive linemen. I know Marcus Spears, Lachey Duzel, incredibly high on him. Connor Rogers had him six on his big board. Mm-hmm. What were your, what was your kind of reaction when they took Jermaine? And, um, you know, how does he kind of fit in this defense going forward? Because I think he's the one that puts this first round from good to really, really damn good. Yeah, man. I think um, Jermaine Johnson feels a very big need because obviously they still needed edge rushers. They still needed um, a guy that can impact the, the run game on, from the defensive uh, side. And Jermaine thrives in that. I mean, I have Florida State, like that was, those were things that he they really um, spoke highly about. Every time I talk to people around the league, whether national scouts or executives or former players, they, they talked about that. In fact, he has a, a plethora of pass rush moves and that's the way, that's the way you can win in the NFL and become a really, really good um, edge rusher if you have various amount of ways. Now there are some other guys that can win with a, only a couple or maybe just one because they just are just so, physically gifted in that one area, but they, uh, I mean, Jermaine Johnson has the hip flexibility, the the quickness, the the hand, um, the, the way he uses his hands to get after quarterbacks. I mean, he's, 
a legitimate pass rusher and he's going to help their, their run defense. That's why Robert Sala said verbatim that he was one of the um, more, more pro-ready defensive ends in this class. And, and I can see why he believes that, which is why, you know, as you said, like getting Garrett Wilson made this draft go from, I mean, getting Jermaine Johnson made this draft go from good to really good to like, oh, this can be something that could turn around your, your franchise pretty quickly. Yeah, so I think the thing with Jermaine and remember, and the reason Edge Rusher, look, Edge Rusher may have been a something they wanted to address. Um, it wouldn't have necessarily been a day one thing if you felt really good about Carl coming back. You know, he wasn't coming off a serious injury. But to have guys that, a guy that can come in and rotate right away with Jermaine, with uh, John Franklin Myers, Bryce Huff, and Carl Lawson, you don't have to – now you can kind of ease Carl Lawson back in. Day one of training camp, you don't need Carl Lawson at 100%. You can kind of work him back in coming off a serious injury. Jermaine's a pro-ready pass rusher. He's got good hands. He's obviously that, you know, that 10-yard split was something. I, at the second he ran that at the combine, I'm like, the Jets going to be all over him. I know they saw him at the senior bowl and he had a nice, he had a really nice week. Obviously, you know, only practiced two days because actually, quite frankly, how good he played. Um, it made a lot of sense, man. And I just, I know there's concerns over age. I think there's one, a couple of positions where age actually, frankly, doesn't really matter to me. And, and edge rusher is one of them. First of all, guys usually mature in the NFL and kind of hit their peak a little bit later as an edge rusher. Um, you know, that 27, 28, usually year four, year five. And look, Jermaine's 23. The guys, uh, I know there's been some discourse, uh, you know, from, you know, some other networks on, oh, the Jets should have just waited uh, and taken Arnold Lebichetti or who I really liked or Boye Mafe. And Boye Mafe and Arnold Lebichetti are 24 years old already. Um, it's just, I'm not concerned about the age perspective. The Jets drafted 20 year old Brees Hall. So if you want to, the average age thing, the Jets also need to win some games and get a pro ready guy that can come in with a really high floor is super important. And the Jets can't sit there and just go, Oh, let's draft David Ajabo and stash him for three years down the line. They don't have that luxury. This regime's in Salah's in year two, Joe Douglas in year four, and they've won like six games since 2019. So Getting a guy that can come in, contribute in the locker room, can contribute on the field, super important. And they got a fifth-year option on them at the position that costs is one of the most expensive positions in football. No, yeah, man, I completely agree with that point because yeah, they they got to start winning. I mean, I remember talking to you know people in the building like, yo, we can't go, we can't start zero for zero for six, zero for seven, or you know what I'm saying one and two. I mean, one and five, you know, two and five again. Like we got to start winning. We got to turn this thing around. I'm like. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Again, back to the point that you made that you know Joe Douglas is basically his, his third full offseason. They have two six twins in the past two years. Um, granted, you know, under the proper context, you know, both years were basically completely different rosters. But again, like they got to start winning, and um, I mean that's just the result. You know, business. I mean that's just the concept of this business that you gotta at least start stacking up Ws. And Jermaine Johnson uh, can step in and be a part of rotation that's going to have now Carl Lawson, it's going to have Quinton Williams, it's going to have um, JFM, it's going to have uh, Sheldon Rankins, you know, uh, Jacob Martin, along with, again, Jermaine Johnson, who can all rotate. And now you have going to have a good amount of fresh bodies who can make an impact in the game. Oh, and don't forget, you know, Bryce Huff too, you know. So you're going to have a plethora of guys that can help in the run and pass game. Yeah, and that's like, that's why this – the sauce pick looks so much better when you kind of in totality, when you look at, they were able to get edge and then vice versa, they were able to address corner and edge. Right. So, you know, you need to have be strong in the back end, obviously, and the jets have drastically improved. I still think there may be one body short at safety, but the starting lineup of whitehead joiner, DJ Reed, uh, you know, sauce and, and Michael Carter, the second on the back end, and then a front four of 
early downs, you know, a JFM, Carl Lawson, Jermaine, Quinnen, Rankins, like they're pretty strong up front. And this is, you know, the scheme values, you need to get pressure for, you need to be aggressive, get upfield. And the Jets have kind of done that with, you know, adding both these pieces. The Jets leave day one. I think everyone's feeling great. And if the draft kind of, if they botched the rest of their picks, I still think you would feel pretty good about, you know, where they were at just because three first round picks. What comes out, you know, with Friday night, 730, Jets trade up for the Giants. You know, people are looking at, you know, we mentioned Brees Hall, but it was more, you know, a Petrie, um, a Chad Muma, Christian Harris, and Kobe Dean, obviously pre kind of finding out a little bit about the injuries. And we see the Jets trade up. They take Brees Hall. My initial was reaction was, wow, like this is, they are, they're not fucking around. Like Joe Douglas is like, I am going to give this offense every opportunity to be successful. Were you surprised they moved up for a running back or even took one there? And what are your kind of impressions, you know, watching, you know, watching some Brees Hall and, you know, how he's going to fit into this offense? Yeah, no, I mean, I was, I mean, when they traded up for him, um, I didn't anticipate that to be the pick, but again, like he's a baller. Um, I don't really subscribe to the discord around, oh, trading up for a running back, yada, 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 yada. Like it's, it's so stupid. It's dumb. Like you're getting a guy in the second round at the running back position who, if he hits, then now you have, you know, potentially having like a JT type running back or Nick Chubb, you know what I'm saying? Once you, or Dalvin Cook, like those guys make a difference for an offense and Brees, Brees Hall can for sure help Zach Wilson develop. And again, like the process, like the, what the Jets are trying to do. They're trying to make Zach Wilson's life as easy as possible. Like, that's all that matters. If, if bro is good, if Brees Hall can play, that is only going to make Zach Wilson's life easier, going to help his development. And guess what? That makes the offense better. That makes the defense better. That makes, you know, uh, Rob Salah's job easier. You know what I'm saying? Like everything is a trickle effect comes back down to Zach, you know, and making his life easy. So everybody else's life is easy. So again, like the whole nitpicking about the value and all that nerdy talk. I just, when people start diving into all of that, I just, it, it blow. It doesn't. I understand where they're coming from, but sometimes when you look at analytics and value and all that shit, it doesn't add in context. It doesn't add in the objective, what you're trying to do, which is make Zach Wilson's life easy. So getting a guy like that, you're gonna have him and Michael Carter, who can both, um, you know, be a thunder and lightning type of attack. You know, because they still want to run a running back by approach committee. So having that is only going to, again, in this offense, because this is the offense that's running back friendly. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. It's only going to make Zach Wilson's life easy. So, like the criticism over the value in a chart and a clipboard, you know, charts that don't win games, period, point blank. So, that's how I was looking at the whole ordeal. And I think it was a good pick. Yeah, no, for me, context is super key, right? Yes, if the Jets would have moved up from 38 to 29 and given up an extra three next year and given up an extra two, and you're going, oh, that's a little, you know, maybe they could have waited on running back. If, you know, they gave up an extra, they gave up the last pick in their draft. They gave one pick 146. Um, the Jets have used picks in the last, in the Joe Douglas regime, you know, with that pick. They've taken guys like Brent, Braden Mann and James Morgan and Michael Piran. Like those guys are all basically non-rosterable players. And exactly. to go to go up and take Brees Hall, the Jets don't need did not need a draft of 14 guys and getting building all these different young guys. They have the youngest roster in the NFL next year. They're good on youth. Trust me, they're yeah. more than fine. They need impact guys that can come in. Can they get Pro Bowl level potential players? Brees Hall is the second favorite to be offensive rookie of the year. He's a Pro Bowl level running back. He was the clear cut number one in the class. Contact balance, strong. Pass protection, good. He played in this scheme in college. That's huge. You know, everyone talks about offensive lines. You know, running backs are only as good as their offensive line. Yes, but, like, a good running back can also make an average offensive line look better because they're able to follow their blocks properly. They don't jump the gun. They're able to, you know, they're able to read read holes better. And, you know, if there's a small hole, they can make a cutback. They can get more out of nothing. So, you know, next year it's important, you know, for the Jets, right, of – um, you know, Zach Wilson dumps down a screen pass, you know, instead of that going for four yards or, you know, some Michael Carter being banged up and going to Ty Johnson, they, you know, that play goes for 18 yards. Um, those little things do matter. And um, I just don't have a problem with the pick. I, I think he's an impact player. He fits the scheme. The Jets need Michael Carter more in that one B role. It's what he played in college and he was more successful. So um, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. We'll go to a little bit of kind of, how the Jets, you know, uh, you know, kind of, I guess necessarily close the gap, right? You had an article come out today, I believe, uh, you know, kind of hinting on this a little bit. And this draft, the AFC is an interesting division. I, you know, the Bills are the class of the division right now, but there's three teams that are kind of in a bit of a mix in different parts of a rebuild and, and things like that. Where are the Jets kind of at roster-wise? Just on paper, obviously, you need to see things develop, but where are they at roster-wise and were they able to close the gap on New England and Miami, or are they still pretty far away? No, I think um, they were able to close the gap for sure within the division. I think still, like, they're the clear-cut fourth team right now, but I think they for sure closed the gap to where, like, like they, at the end of the year, they finished five games back. I think now, without a doubt, like, they're not five games back. They're for sure, like, at worst, maybe two. Because, one, I think New England is going to pull back from ten wins to possibly, like, eight, seven because I'm just being honest, like, you just look at their roster. It just, it isn't that impressive. Like, we just do the exercise and go through, like, the Jets roster across, like, the board in the division, actually. Like, I was like, obviously, quarterback right now, they're fourth. Like, I don't even think that's, like, debatable. Um, like, Zach has to take noticeable steps to move from that fourth spot. But as of right now, he's fourth. But the talent is there to where he could be um, second, for sure. Their running backs, I think you can make the argument that they are, the Jets are... 
on paper for sure, like at the top, in terms of just talent, right? You got Brees Hall and you got Michael Carter with Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman. Like which running back room in the AFC East can you definitively say is better? There isn't really like maybe the Buffalo Bills because, you know, I, I do like James Cook a lot. I like him obviously with the, uh, Devin Singletary. Then you mean go to the tight end room. Um, it's right there where everybody, I, I guess you could say maybe the Patriots tight end room is the best. But I mean, yeah, I, you know, you can say the tight, tight end room is the best. But again, like it's all bunched up, right? It's not like you can make an argument for each unit. And offensive line, I think Jets have the best offensive line. And then with like the front, the Jets front four slash five, because, you know, like the Patriots and Dolphins run a three, four, yeah, three, four out front. So basically you have the outside linebackers that, you know, always usually hovering around the line of scrimmage. Um, and the Jets obviously have a four, three. So I think, um their front versus like everybody else's front you can make the argument on paper that's up there at the top unfortunately it's hard to say that they're the best especially after last year like man like they came into the league you know the, the year seemed like they're the best but they didn't play up to that standard but on paper again you have imagine on third downs you're gonna have carl lawson quinn and jfm along with jermaine johnson rushing the passer like that that can that that can really you know um have an impact but again like like that's still like up there, right? Like how many can you truly say is legitimately better? I mean, maybe from a top perspective, maybe the Bills, maybe the Dolphins, the Patriots. I mean, well, maybe the Patriots because they do have a, they, regardless of, you know, all the people they've lost, they still have this solid front. I will say that they do have a solid front. But again, like the Jets are in that mix and then linebacker, um, I'm going to put them towards the bottom. I wouldn't put them last. I'll put put them towards the bottom because again, like you still need to jump from Quincy. Like I like CJ, but Quincy, uh, Sherwood, like they they got for sure take a step up next year. And then secondary, you still put the Jets last, but it's not like before where it was like the Jets were like in a whole different like planet <laughs> compared to because I mean let's be honest, the AFC East has some really really good secondaries. Um, but the Jets were able to close ground. And I mean, the Patriots, their secondary took some hits. Like them losing JC Jackson was huge. Like, I don't think people realize like that was huge. But they still got Kyle Duggar. They still got Devin McCourty. They still have uh, uh, Jalen uh, Mills. Still got Jonathan Jones. So they still have like a solid secondary, you know? But again, the, the Patriots, I mean, the Jets are, are, are right there. Like, obviously, the Bills, Dolphins, they're the class of the AFC when it comes to like the defensive backs. But then, like, Right below that is the Jets and Patriots tugging that out. But so when you look at like just on paper and look at the talent perspective, obviously you can see Anthony Jones, but on paper, like the Jets are right there talent-wise across the board. Just one of their, you know, bigger questions. Oh, we didn't even talk about receiver. Like, like the, you got Corey, you got Elijah, you got Garrett Wilson, you got Braxton. And then you, you just, now I'm not going to do the whole one through five argument because that's just dumb. We all saw what happens when you get down to your fourth and fifth guy. Shit looks ugly, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, if you just go to the top three guys, Corey, Elijah, Garrett versus the Bills top three, the Dolphins top three, it's it's way like it's really a conversation between the Bills, Dolphins, and um, it's really a conversation between Bills, Dolphins, and Jets because I mean the Patriots. I wrote in my column. I said their uh, receiving core is basically like you know chicken with no season. Like you can get the job done if you're hungry, but it ain't got no flavor, it ain't got no sizzle, it ain't got no pop, no nothing. So it's really between those three, the Patriots, I mean, the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets, obviously. 
I think the Dolphins have the best receiving court because Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Cedric Wilson. That's pretty. That's, that's pretty good. Um, no Dolphin homer. No Dolphin homer. No Dolphin homer in me. But uh, then you got the Jets versus the Bills. I mean, obviously, you know, Stephon Diggs is better than everybody just receiving court, but. You can make the argument that Corey Elijah or Garrett could be better than Gabriel Davis and Isaiah McKenzie, but yeah, man. I mean, again, like the roster across the board looks good, which is why you can legitimately think that they should compete. Yeah, so kind of to follow up there. So I guess the the biggest issue for the Jets right now, and I think this is going to get hammered home five hundred times, and you know we'll talk about this a bunch, especially over the summer. The biggest question marks on the Jets roster, no matter how much you like the way they finish the season specifically Zach, and no matter how much you like Robert Sala's phone calls and how much his energy, the two biggest question marks for them are head coach and quarterback because they are they are unproven at this point. We can love their potential and love what they're going to be and what they're building. Um, you know, Bill and Sean McDermott are both really damn good head coaches. Obviously, Bill is exceptional. Matt Jones, whether you like him or not, whether you think his ceiling is tapped out or not, he was a pro bowler last year and take that for what you will. And he's not going to, I'm not sure how much better he's going to get, but he was pretty damn good, especially early on in the season last year. He had a bit of a wall, so I guess there's that. But And then Josh Allen's probably – you could make an, a very strong case. He's the best player in the NFL, right? most important I'm player in the NFL, right? I'm telling you. I'm telling so, you. He's so good. Right. So, And then you get to the Jets, and you get to the Miami, and they both have pretty big years for their quarterbacks, respectively, right? Two, there is no excuse for Tua to be bad, like yeah, zero. Right. And Zach Wilson, yes, it's year two, so it's not going to be quite the same expectation, but – there's the, the excuses are dwindling. This is not, you know, your, your, your dad, Sam Donald jets or, um, you know, obviously I'm kidding. It was like three years ago, but <laughs> then you get to the other positions. The jets backfield is on paper. One of the more talented backfields in football, you get to the tight end position. They have two above average starters or average starters at tight end. And then on top of that, they have a guy that has tight end one potential as their tight end three. That's huge. Their offensive line has a top, probably 12 left tackle conservatively, a top six or seven left guard. They probably have a top 12 center, the potential, you know, a top 10 right guard. And if Mekhi Becton is even remotely healthy, he's probably a top 15 right tackle, just being conservative on paper. So that's a damn good group. Receiver-wise, one, two, three. The, the problem for the Jets is, like, on paper right now, they've improved so much. But, like, if Garrett Wilson pops and he has, you know, he has 80 for 1,007 touchdowns next year – all of a sudden that receiver room looks damn good. Like, and not just like good, it's really good. Right. Or Elijah takes that right. step. Elijah take place like week eight through 12, Elijah, where he was, you know, top five in the NFL in yard. I mean, a lot of his blowouts, but you know, had touchdowns yeah. and yards and stuff like that. Corey Davis is a, a third option is better than Isaiah McKenzie or, or Jamison Crowder because Jamison Crowder was just on this roster last year and wasn't the number one option. So, um, you know, the defensive side of the ball is a bit still kind of TBD, right? They're in, like you mentioned, they're in a division where Miami's probably got one of the best secondaries in football, if not the best. And if it's not the best, Buffalo is right damn behind them because Buffalo's got two real good safeties. They've got, um, you know, an all-pro corner coming back from ACL, and Kyrie Elam's going to be a stud. New England and the Jets are probably in a, in a competition for, for third, and it's not that they're not good, right? And if Sauce takes a step, and is really good as a rookie. He's Patrick Chertain as a rookie. Now you're like, wow, this Jets, you know, this Jets secondary could be really good. So it all comes down to coaching quarterback, but there is no excuse to be getting boat raced by 40 points by New England or, you know, 
they play actually Buffalo pretty tight at the end of the year. I'm not sure how much, you know, I don't want to put too much screen, you know, salt yeah. into that, but they did though. They did. They, they have played Buffalo tight. tight over the years. Um, even last two years ago during COVID, like when Josh Allen Bills kind of took that huge step and the Jets were putrid. They, they played them tough. We'll finish with this on um, kind of a, uh, kind of our first episode here um, as we kind of get into what, you know, we'll get more in depth as rookie minicamp kicks off. We'll have an episode come out, um, kind of break down a little bit of, you know, kind of what happens, OTAs, minicamp. And then obviously during camp, we'll be kind of coming to you guys with, you know, daily and, and weekly content on, you know, what's happening at training camp more than an elaborate a bit of, you know, the tweeting and, you know, how guys are doing quotes in the locker room updates, things of that nature. Where's, this is obviously going to change this question because the Jets could add people, guys get hurt. You know, you see guys in camp, you'll think they'll take a step. What's the expectation level kind of going into going to the summer now? Has it changed a lot for you or is it still like it's more just about Zach, take a step um, and compete in 2023? Or is it like there's, you know, they should be able to compete for a wild card spot. Like are you somewhere in between or more in the pessimistic side? Yeah, I'm, still, I'm, I'm in between. Um, the Jets – schedule this year is like is a it's gauntlet like they're gonna play the bills twice obviously i'm not having the patriots but the patriots the patriots have no, they haven't they haven't year. beaten them so until they beat them yeah, they're a hard game exactly you know the dolphins have beaten 10 out of the last 12 times uh they played the browns we'll see the sean's there they played the Bengals. they played the ravens they played the broncos um they played the packers they play the vikings like they're going to be in some dog fights um, a lot of the weeks. So again, like, like, yeah, you can set it to a wild card, but again, like it sounds good in theory, but I still have to see what this team looks like in training camp. Like I have to see at least one unit that looks like it can like help like carry a team. That's because one thing I didn't see last year in training camp was a, a even a unit that's like, Oh, this unit right here is going to be the thing that carries them at least, you know, that's going to pop throughout the year. Like it was, Nothing for the most part. I mean, outside like Elijah, so a little bit of Corey, Michael Carter, a little bit, but yeah, man. Um, right now I'm still like in wait and see mode. I gotta see them OTAs, practices, and stuff like that. Cause I mean, it's easy to say, oh yeah, 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 she can be for a wild card. But again, like their schedule plus we gotta see how everything starts to mesh. So that's kind of where I am uh, in that aspect. Yeah, I, I mentioned it on SNY subtle flex that I, I just. I'm going to have a hard time. Let me see how I can phrase this properly. They, if Zach, Zach Wilson plays 17 games and you get 17 games out of Mekhi Becton with this current group of roster and the talent they have, not being competitive in December is, is going to be a huge red flag to probably Zach Wilson, likely. Um, I know we kind of joked and, you know, PFF put out their mock draft of 2023 and whatever. Obviously, it's kind of just a joke at this point, but you know, if the Jets are picking the top three, it's probably because they're picking another quarterback or Zach doesn't play this year. Like there's no, that is not going to be an excuse. Um, you know, if they go seven and 10, Zach shows some steps. I think that's a fair expectation and anything more than that's gravy, but we've seen year over year, right? Like the NFC North is not a good division and the Jets get to play that division this year while their their own division, the AFC North is very good. Um, it's not like they're, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Deshaun, you could play Jacoby Brissett in the Browns, you know, early in the year if Deshaun's suspended or you're playing Mitch Trubisky and like, there's no excuse to go get blown out by them. Or, um, you know, Minnesota is fine. They're an average NFL team. You should be able to compete with those teams. Yes. The bills playing the Ravens is going to be a dog fight. The Packers are obviously an elite level team, but 
there are some games in the schedule, Jacksonville, Detroit, Minnesota, Chicago, that um, you got to win some division games, end of the day. Like there's no, you cannot go lose to Miami twice, lose to New England twice and be competitive against Buffalo and say it's okay. So um, I'm kind of in the same spot as you. I think seven, eight, seven, eight wins is somewhere in that range, depending on what we see during camp, more likely seven. I think they get to seven wins. You feel pretty good about the development. They take another step in year um, in year three, but you know, the, the expectation should be, we want to be a wild card team. And then anything else, if you fall short of that and you win seven games and you feel good about Zach, that's a huge W for you. But like the expectation can't be, we were competitive against Tom Brady one week for three quarters and then lost like that, that mm-hmm. type of the moral victory stuff is I think a thing of the past. I agree with you. I'd like to see in camp, how dominant can this offensive line be or how dominant can this defensive line be? Or um, can Zach go in there and run training camp and put on a clinic every day or most days and go, no, nah, I'm here. Like I'm ready to go. And like, that's the stuff I want to see more so than, um, you know, Oh, it was, it was even in a scrimmage. Like I want to see like, you know, Elijah and, and Garrett Wilson go toe to toe with, you know, sauce and DJ Reed every single day and come out and, you know, look pretty good. So um, like I mentioned, you know, we'll be back. We have rookie mini camp coming up this weekend. Um, we'll have a pod after that and kind of talk through a little bit of, you know, how some of these young guys looked, obviously not putting too much stock into rookies playing other rookies. Cause that's the same thing they've been doing. Um, but you know, rookie mini camp, and then again, OTA is coming up uh, mandatory mini camp, which will be, you know, in June. And then, um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll get you guys ready for training camp, breakdown positions, players, you know, what's going on in practice, you know, what, you know, looking forward to the season. And um, yeah, DJ, anything else to add? That's about it for me. Uh, I'm, right now, I'm just on Twitter arguing with fans that keep talking about center. Like, bro, like, who, who told y'all that centers make or break an NFL offense? Like, if you have one, you have a great one, cool. If you don't, you'll be just fine, brother. You need skilled players, guards, and tackles. And then you'll be okay. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. And I'm quote-tweeting uh, PFF George here and um, – you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not entertaining that shit. Yeah. That, that's just for him. That's just for I didn't him. even, I didn't even say draft Malik Willis. Like, what do you mean draft Malik Willis? And Malik then Willis? the he best part of it was now. just saying, like, go draft George Pickens after just drafting Garrett Wilson and paying Corey Davis and drafting a lot more. Like, at some level, I wanted the Jets to double up at receiver, um, but I wanted them to get like a, what though? Like a developmental, that. like in the fifth or sixth oh. round, or like a, bring a Keelan Cole back or just some depth there. But not like take a premium pick on multiple receivers. That'd be four. That'd be four premium picks a receiver and paying a guy top dollar in the course of twelve months. But I digress. We will be back. Appreciate everyone kind of tuning in and um, you know stay stay tuned for some updates kind of as on the pod as we kind of get this thing going here.